When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show. Presented by PointsBet, use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars welcome into studio b of our chgo offices here in the west loop of chicago i'm sean anderson the host of the chgo white Sox podcast you can follow me on twitter at sean underscore w underscore anderson and alongside me as always is herb lawrence hello you can follow him on twitter at ecknerwall 23 he's the chgo white Sox community leader we are joining you after the series finale of the rockies and white Sox. And the White Sox lost. Of course. The White Sox lost three to nothing. They split the season series and this series with the Colorado Rockies. Our guy Alec chiming in. This one stings. Herb, I think I already saw it before our chat started rolling into us. Someone said, season's over. How you feeling? I mean, how many times have we said the season's over? It's been the same thing, as Vinny said. It's a roller coaster with no ups and downs, really. It's like a little blip, and then you go right back up. A little blip, go right back up. For the main part, if you look and zoom out, just a straight line. That's what the White Sox are doing. Watch them go out there and beat the Guardians tomorrow. Have a good series in Detroit. Beat the Guardians next week. They're one out or they're in first place. Like This series season cannot be over because they still have games to play versus the Cleveland Guardians. Now, it's not very encouraging how they played today versus the Colorado Rockies, who are uh, also ran. They're not good at all. That pitcher, Freeland, while he dominated the White Sox today is no damn good at all and so yes I can see how people can be discouraged especially how they play versus Colorado Rockies even though yesterday was a win it wasn't encouraging after coming off of Oakland losing that last game in Oakland and how they lost very discouraging and Cleveland's been on fire I think we got into a false sense of okay here we go because Cleveland losing all those games to the Mariners while the White Sox won versus the Mariners and the Oakland A's and so it looked a little closer but remember it's gonna ebb and flow Cleveland will play a harder team next time they play. And then next week, the White Sox got them for a full three-game series here at guaranteed rate. So the White Sox can win all four of the games they have with Cleveland, and we'll be right back here next week and saying, here we go. Let's go, White Sox. Right. It's not done yet, which I think is the main thing that you need to keep in mind. Uh, the, the math still favors the White Sox. They're still not done yet. Uh, there are magic numbers out there. I, I think it's 19, right? Uh, Belzer uh, saying the, the season officially ends tomorrow. If the White Sox lose, it won't officially end tomorrow, but it will be, be, really hard. Uh, it'll be very close uh, to getting uh, to that point. Uh, but right now, the magic number to clinch the AL Central 
is 19 for the Guardians, but I think with a win, uh, that pushes it down to 18. So I think the magic number is 18. So there's still a long time for the Sox to make that up. And again, they're four games back at the Guardians. They have four games left against the Guardians to make up those grounds. And if they win all four, they'll win the season series 10 to 9, which would be good for a tiebreaker. Yeah, and I remember the Guardians themselves, they tweeted out a picture of Josh Naylor, whose number's 22, after the Monday victory. So they won on Tuesday and Wednesday, so that would take it down to 20 by themselves. And the White Sox losing today would make it 19. Thank so. you, uh, Marcos, for congratulating me on my Sox math win. Um, I thought I wasn't going to win that one, Herb. I mean, you were pretty smooth about it. I didn't think you were going to win it either because usually somebody with non-HD and somebody who's just like right up the typewriter is – or typewriter – computer is right there getting the answer like that uh, – that guy, I don't want to say his name. I don't know his name, but you guys know the guy who always wins the damn socks math. He must be on his fucking uh, internet immediately when that question comes out. And Sean was kind of relaxed about it. Like, I was answering the question before Sean, and Sean's like, okay, let's see. That is five. That's um, answer. I thought yeah. I got the name wrong. Like, did it, did it smooth as hell. I was like, how'd you get that answer? And he, like, right when he finished, like, I won socks, man. Like, he didn't even know that he wanted it. He's like, I'm smooth as fuck. I got well, this. And I got Alex Rude coming in. He, he was answering 10 because he didn't know uh, the difference between the Giants and the Tigers logos. Um, so he couldn't figure out what number uh, Gordon wore. But here's my issue. Mm-hmm. I put negative 70. The answer was 70. I'm surprised I didn't get it wrong. Did you put the, the, the little dash next to the 7? Of 70? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was, it was hashtag socks math minus 70, negative 70. Did you do the opposite where you subtracted the White Sox 15 from the Tigers number? No, because they said Jose Abreu subtracted by Aloy Jimenez, which would have been five. Yeah. And then they said Gordon Beckham's White Sox number minus his Tigers number, yeah. which I did 15 minus 29, which would have been minus uh, 14, five times minus 14. No, That's but you were right, 70. though. 70, right. Negative 70 is the answer. Right. Yeah. So but you, they put 70 as the official answer. I think, so I don't think that's right. I think that's, that's what, what I'm going to be. Well, I think that's what I'm going to be. I think I'm going to have my Sox math video just be a complaint. First off, oh, you guys blocked me on, are you on Twitter. Do, Second of all, you guys don't even know how to do math correctly. Like, are you going to do, what's that uh, that thing where you're supposed to do, like the parentheses first and then multiplication second, oh, division uh, third? Order of operations. Yeah, yeah. but it's like, yeah. P, please, please excuse my dear aunt Sally. There you go. Parentheses, exponents, exponents, division, division, multiplication, add, subtract, add, subtract, baby. Let's go. It's been a long time since I went to school. We're teaching it. Uh, John Froelich saying Royals and Rockies shouldn't be a problem. Herb, they have been. Uh, you put together some stats about what the White Sox have and haven't done uh, yep. versus kind of these bad teams. You mentioned the White Sox uh, versus the Angels. They had a bad stretch. They had an 11-4 game, but they went out to L.A. Um, they lost 2-3 uh, against them. The Guardians had no issues against the Angels. Um, obviously, different points in the seasons, but uh, suboptimal versus subpar is uh, what you, you titled this little That was uh, that's Steven. This little Steven, graphic. Steven Nicholas with the uh, great titles there. Versus the Kansas City Royals, we already know. They lost the season series 10-9. Uh, to 9. The Kansas City Royals won that one. Angels, they only won three versus them in the seven-game series. Texas Rangers, the same thing. Arizona, lowly Arizona Diamondbacks, PHNX. The lowly Arizona Diamondbacks. The White Sox were swept by them. And today, they split another series with the goddamn Colorado Rockies. These are series they should take advantage of. Now, they've taken advantage of the Detroit series um, and current uh, under 500 teams like the Boston Red Sox, they won 4-2, to two, but if those five teams, if you just win more games than you lose or win the Colorado Rockies series, just one more game, 3-1 to four, one, or 
Oral, you're in a house. You're in a better position right now against the Cleveland Guardians from taking care of business versus also Rants versus teams that are at the bottom of the league. They destroyed the Oakland A's. Awesome. But I think in some way, them losing that Baltimore Orioles series at the time, Baltimore Orioles that were under 500, it kind of propelled them. They're like, okay, we're beating a team that should be the leader of the AL Central. We're battling here in the AL East, and we're going to go forward now and uh, be a little better. The White Sox have not done such things. They have a 39-30 and 30 record against all under 500 teams, current under 500 teams. But that's not good enough. That's only nine games over 500. You should be feasting on these teams. You should be eating versus these teams. And that's why the White Sox are where they are because they don't take advantage of those also rents, all those teams that don't play good baseball. Absolutely. And I think it plays into why, uh, you know, they needed to hear that whole, you know, speech that the manager made from a different voice because you think about the teams that they've lost to, especially before Oakland and uh, Miguel Cairo's big speech, like, the whole talk was the White Sox felt really confident in themselves, maybe to a point where they were overconfident. So maybe the White Sox just really felt like, hey, oh, it's Kansas City. We know they've been, they've been bad for, you know, since 2019, right? You know, we're, they're, they're bums. We can just handle them. Yeah. Uh, the Tigers were kind of hyped up a little bit because A.J. Hinch was almost the White Sox manager. Javi Baez with the big contract. Eduardo Rodriguez with the big contract. You thought maybe they'd be a little bit better. You Spencer Torkerson, uh, you know, Casey Mize, all that stuff. So maybe the expectation of like what these teams were supposed to be maybe allows the White Sox to get up for those teams because Boston was a former playoff team. Yeah. And we were thinking that winning in Boston, winning versus Boston would propel them. It's like, oh, you're winning versus a good AL East team, which they did well versus the New York Yankees. They won that series. So they won versus the Boston Red Sox. This, These things are good to do, but you got to take advantage of the, the bad teams. And the White Sox just think they can throw their jocks out there and they're going to win games. Colorado has showed you time and time again, there hasn't been bad pitching in the four games, at least starting pitching, in the four games the White Sox have played versus them. Sensatella, uh, Herman Marquez, Yesterday was uh, cool, cool. Chad Cool, and today with Freeland. All four of those pitchers gave good efforts versus the White Sox. When you look at the numbers before they started those games, you're like, let's feast, let's eat. And the White Sox didn't take advantage of four mediocre to bad pitchers. Well, and Oz saying here, uh, Cease didn't do us any favors, was expecting a shout-out. Oz, love you, love, appreciate, you know, you're always in here uh, commenting, and we do appreciate that. Uh, buddy, if Dylan Cease threw a shout-out today, this game would still be going on. It'd be 0-0. The White Sox need to score runs, period. I mean, uh, yes, Dylan Cease didn't have a great performance, but the only thing that hurt was his Cy Young standings and where he sits in that race. But outside of that, three runs, the White Sox should be able to beat the Rockies when they're putting up three runs, period. The White Sox need to score more than four runs. They went 0-10 with runners in scoring position. Dylan Cease was not the problem. Could he have been better? Sure. Is that the reason why the White Sox lost? No. It's not why the White Sox lose. And They're 20-9 and nine when he starts. And like you just said, sometimes when the pitcher has an off day or a bad game, this wasn't necessarily a bad game. It's just an off day for Dylan Cease. You expect more. He should pitch better than this. But today, five innings, three earned runs, eight strikeouts. It was an all right day. And you should have those days where I'm not good, guys. And some days he's like, hey, give me one today. I'm good. I'm real good. One. And today it's like, hey, let's pay that favor back to Dylan Cease as the offense. We need to execute when base runners are on second base or third base and get those guys in. There's multiple times, I think, in the third and fourth innings that happened today. 
Roman Gonzalez, I think the only extra base, no, two extra bases because Andrew Vaughn hit one later on in the game with two outs. But Roman Gonzalez hits a double to start the inning off in the third. He didn't move from second base. Three straight outs. The next inning, first and second, nobody out. The heart of the lineup up, I believe. Did not move those two runners there. What are we doing? Like, what's the execution looking like? Like, the first batter in both of those sequences, it was A.J. Pollock who struck out, and I don't remember who the first batter in that first and second in the fourth inning was, but he struck out. Those are the clutch at bats in runners in scoring position uh, sequences because then you get the pitcher to relax. Then you have some momentum in knowing that only you need is a ground ball to get out of that inning. Before that, you got the pitcher on the ropes, and the White Sox constantly let Freeland off of the ropes and let him relax the whole game. The two innings you were talking about, bottom of third, Romy doubled to right, then Andrew struck out looking, then Mankata flied out to center, then Abreu lined out to center. In the bottom of the fourth, Jimenez single to right field, Vaughn walked, then Pollock struck out swinging, then Robert flied out to center, Evan Zavala flied out to left, which I got up for. Uh, I thought thought Sebi got it, but uh, he did not. It was a great catch, um, but I thought it was gone. It it still would have stayed in the park. uh, Guys, just to add to that, how many innings today do you think the Sox had a runner on at least second base, second or third? Uh, Five. Those two, I recall. That's probably like three. Six. Damn. Six different innings today. They had a runner on second base. Yeah. Uh, 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position and nine runners left on base. We do have a super chat from our guy, Stefan Bardo. Uh, Thank you very much for that. Starting to look at the offseason. This is a mess from the front office to the players. Hoping for changes uh, for the GN and uh, GM and new manager. It's it's a mess. That's for sure. Yeah. Just because the owner has clearly the guy that he wants. The guy that the owner wants clearly has his own ideas of what he can do and cannot do. Um, and what he wants to do. He clearly wants to be the manager of the Chicago White Sox. And, uh, yeah, that GM hasn't really built a sturdy window uh, that is really being kept open. So I think, especially the way that the team has performed down the line, I think you'll see a a new manager. I think you'll see probably a lot of the same players. And I think you'll see the same GM because he gets that nickname Teflon Han for a reason. Yeah, I don't see him leaving. I don't know why he should. I'm um, why he shouldn't leave because he created this. And you can say, well, he didn't hire the manager. Well, he should leave then. The offense wasn't built for a champion. These guys are not complete. the The roster is not complete. We still see a uh, right fielder is different every day. Our second baseman is different every day. We don't have solidified positions there where you had opportunities to go out and get somebody who was going to fill out those positions for at least 140 games. They didn't go out and do it. I mean, I love Josh Harrison, but that's not an everyday second baseman that you should be depending on in a championship window. Same thing with Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn in right field. Now, Andrew Vaughn, I think, is going to be a good hitter and still is a good hitter. He's struggling right now, but that double in the late in the game was nice to see. But he's not a right fielder. He's not a left fielder. He's a first baseman DH type. This roster is a bunch of those guys with Aloy, with Jose Abreu, with uh, Vaughn, and with Sheets. There's too many of those guys on this roster. So, yeah, the GM has definitely earned himself something other than coming back next year. I mean, a demotion, something, a, hey, uh, this is a last check. You're going to, you got to do it next year or you're gone type of thing because this is unacceptable. This team is not a second place team in any division. 
especially not the AL Central because it's a crap division. Yeah, a- amen. Uh, and we'll see that crap division's best two teams tomorrow uh, in the battle of the AL Central. One's uh, actually good, and the other one's... Ugh. The other one's all right. Uh, they have they have J- J- Jose Ramirez, which makes them a lot better than Man. they actually are. Tell you what, uh, want to let you know about Green Ridge Farm. They're a Chicago local meat and cheese company company offering you a better all natural options. They're the makers of all natural deli meat, sausages, and their famous meat sticks. Let me tell you, meat sticks make my work day better. Yes, um, I. I White Sox could win. I could get a good parking spot. None of that matters. If we have meat sticks in the fridge, my day at work is going to be good. Period. They're perfect for tailgating, happy hour, school lunches, work lunches, uh, pick-me-up during a White Sox game. These all-natural meat sticks are hardwood smoked for eight hours and with 16 grams of protein per stick make a perfect post-workout snack, Stephen. Uh, Meat sticks come in chicken, black forest beef, and flavors like jalapeno cheddar and spicy uh, chili. If you haven't tried them yet, you don't know what you're missing out on. And right now, when you order any three meat products at greenrichfarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cars, those meat sticks will be free simply using code CHGO at checkout. So I'm telling you, meat sticks have changed my life. They have made my life better. They're like beef jerky, but a hundred times better. All right. You oh, should go out and a hundred times better. Yeah. You should go out, get yourself some free meat sticks. All right. So order any three meat products at Green Ridge Farm today, uh, at greenridgefarm.com today and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart. Those meat sticks, again, will be free simply by using the code CHGO at checkout. Uh, make sure, again, Green Ridge Farms, simply natural meat. Let's tell you, too, about FOCO. Uh, a lot of bobbleheads going around. They have that new giveaway or a new uh, ticket package for the White Sox. So you get a mystery uh, bobblehead with a ticket. If you go to FOCO, you can pick out whatever bobblehead you want. Whether you're a Dallas Keuchel fan, you can celebrate his gold glove in 2021 with a bobblehead. If you like the City Connect jerseys, you can go check out FOCO. If you're looking for some NFL ones, football is back. You can go and get the fantastic selection of NFL bobbleheads they have over at FOCO. We already got you covered. CHGO does for the best coverage of your favorite teams. So get fitted in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like Damar with apparel from the leaders in sports merchandise and collectibles. FOCO, if you're looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life, FOCO's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. So check out FOCO.com, F-O-C-O.com, or click the link in the description below. And for all non-presale items, use promo code CHGO for 10% off your order. Again, F-O-C-O.com. Com. Let's head out to Guaranteed Rate Field and talk to Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Hi, Vinny. Good afternoon, fellas. How are you today? Good afternoon. Uh, we're all right. You know, White Sox win would have made us a little bit more happier, but it's it's nice to be off. I mean, it's going to be like probably 530 where it's all said and done. Uh, you know, it's 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 a nice it's a nice night. I can't complain. Uh, you had a nice up, article. Fellas. It's just it's just baseball. Come on. Exactly. Cheer up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the season's not over yet, which I think fans, uh, you know, are, are trying are leaning towards. So we're just trying to yank everybody back uh, onto the bus. But I want to talk to you about uh, your great article Brand new article at allchgo.com about Elvis Andrews and Tim Anderson and what they're going to do with Tim Anderson when he comes back. Sounds like Miguel Cairo had a definitive answer on what they're going to be doing with Tim Anderson once he uh, comes back. Yeah, I mean, that should be no surprise to anybody. Tim Anderson's the all-star shortstop for this team. Of course he's going to go back to shortstop. That's there's, There really should never have been a doubt about that. But certainly the question was warranted of, well, 
if that's the case, when Tim Anderson comes back, what becomes of Elvis Andrus? Because he has been very good for these White Sox since he has uh, joined joined up. And, uh, you know, he's been part of the variety of sparks uh, that have kind of uh, created this kind of late season surge that made, that's made this AL Central race pretty interesting. So um, the obvious answer, I think, is the one that most everybody's guessing, which is he's probably going to go to second base, right? Um, but uh, there could be some other wrinkles in there, too. Rick Hahn said that it's perhaps not going to be a case where T.A. is just there every day. You know, he, he's going to be coming back from a six-month layoff, and there might be some rust that he needs to shake off, some rest that he's going to need uh, after coming right back. Uh, the good news from, for fans who want to see Elvis Andrews stay in the lineup is that pretty much everybody else uh, on the, in, in the White Sox employ wants to see the same thing. Uh, certainly that uh, includes Rick Hahn, who's very pleased with what Andrews has been able to do offensively. Uh, it includes uh, Miguel Cairo, who, you know, was basically asked point blank, but you want to keep uh, Elvis in the lineup, right? And he, and he goes, yeah, of course I do. Uh, and, and, then, and then it includes Elvis Andrus himself, who told me before the game today that it does not matter whether it's shortstop, second base, or any other position on the field. He's going to do whatever it takes because he's, for the first time in a long time, remember he played for that Texas Rangers team that went to back-to-back World Series in the beginning of the last decade, and then for the second half of the last decade didn't do much of anything. It's been a while since he's, uh, he said, it's been a long time since I've had this much fun. Uh, it's been a while since he's been in a playoff race. It's been a while since he's had a realistic shot of reaching uh, the postseason. He says whatever is going to be able to get him back to that kind of feeling that he had during some of those glory days with the Rangers, he's going to be willing to do 100%, he said. So uh, Elvis Andrews in second base, who knows whether the hell it'll work, but it certainly seems like something that we're going to see once Tim Anderson comes back, and that could be uh, as soon as next week. Yeah, I just want to give people the full quote uh, that you're referring to because it is great uh, from Elvis Andrews. At this point in my career, I just want to win, man. So whatever it takes, if it's me at short, second, anywhere else, I'll be down to do it. Hey, right field. It sounds like Elvis Andrews is calling your name. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was some, some great stuff for Elvis Andrews. Definitely check out Vinny's latest piece at All CHGO to check out those full quotes. And today I saw Dylan Cease, the first batter he faced, the ball falls in between a couple of fielders. I know that as a pitcher, he has to suck that up, but that 25-26 pitch first inning really bled into the second inning where he, I think he was at 56, and he wasn't on. He wouldn't have his uh, premium command, but still managed in the five innings he did pitch to strike out eight. What do you have to say about his outing today where it was subpar what Dylan Cease usually brings, but ultimately a good outing? Yeah, I mean, he wasn't happy about it. I, I think you could probably have guessed that. Uh, he didn't feel like he was real sharp with his stuff, and I think that showed. Uh, there were a lot of long at-bats um, and certainly a couple of walks in there that, you know, it's quote-unquote only two walks, but, you know, they really made a difference, be it in jacking up that pitch count or the the one that came around to score, the leadoff walk uh, that came around to score for the first run of the day for the Rockies. So, um you know, when you combine a couple of walks with a couple of extra base hits, usually that results in a couple of runs. And uh, it's something that bit Dylan Cease today. Um, but that wasn't the story of today, I don't think. I mean, Dylan Cease gave up three runs in five innings. Okay. This is a uh, an offense that's been averaging over six runs uh, since Miguel Cairo took over as acting manager. The, the White Sox didn't hit today. It's what Miguel Cairo said. He said, we, we, could, we couldn't hit. We didn't hit. Uh, and, and I asked him, did you like the at-bats? He said, yeah, they could have been better. Uh, you know, this is a team I think that, that uh, you know, we watched them for five months kind of have bad at-bats for a, mm-hmm. the most part. And, um, you know, even though the times have been of, of the better, much better variety here over the last couple of weeks, 
it's the same team, and maybe it shouldn't be so surprising that every now and then they're going to slip into a game like this. I think what will be really telling is tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that because not only are they going to play a big division game against the Guardians tomorrow in Cleveland, but throughout the first five months of this season, when you had a result like today or, 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 or a, uh, an offensive day like today, it tended to repeat itself. And uh, we're going to find out if the White Sox are truly kind of out of the woods in terms of that, you know, kind of play grabbing hold and, and be them being unable to shake it, or if they truly have kind of found this fun reset button here at the 11th hour and are able to do what Miguel Cairo said, which is forget about it, take it one day at a time, and, and focus on tomorrow because that's the only game that you're going to be playing uh, from here for the next 24 hours. Yeah, did he expand on what he didn't like about the at-bats, or is it just kind of that coach talk of flush it, we'll just show up to the ballpark tomorrow? Yeah, the latter. Um, you know, I, I think anybody could have watched the game and realized that the at-bats were not the kind of at-bats that were yielding the big offensive outputs that they've had in, in recent weeks. So um, it, it, it's not something maybe where he needs to go in and, and you know, have another big fiery uh, uh, talk to the team. But it is something that, you know, he's a coach, right? So maybe he'll be harping on them individually just routinely. Hey, let's go. Come on. Uh, that kind of thing. So, um Again, I think we're going to learn a lot about tomorrow. Was this just one of those days? Because again, every team has these days, and it's not. It shouldn't be terribly unusual to see it, especially from a team that showed it so often. But is this team going to stay in this kind of contention mode? Uh, you know, and that starts tomorrow. Not necessarily. You can't start it two minutes after you, you have a loss. You can only start it when the next game starts. I'm just wondering if the guys like look forward to tomorrow's game because today. Like, Kyle Freeland was decent, but it seemed like they got, as our guy Steven Nicholas said, they got on second base six times out of the nine innings. They did bat, but a low for 11 and runners in scoring position, the execution, especially with runner on second, nobody out twice, didn't do anything. It's just so disappointing that, as Miguel Cairo said, they didn't have good at-bats. I'm sure he was focusing on the ones where it's runners in scoring position. They didn't get the job done. Not only didn't score the runs, the guy didn't move from second. That's piss poor. Yeah, I mean they blew it, uh, no doubt about it. They, we we saw them do that over and over again throughout the uh, throughout the summer, and here they've done it, you know, again. So uh, you know, like I said, the, I don't think anybody was expecting them, and if you were, you were vastly mistaken that they were going to rattle off twenty in a row here. Um, so this could just be one of those days where they screwed up, and you know, they didn't, they they weren't able to get the hits when they needed to, and because of it, it's a loss and an ugly looking one. Um, that's why I say, you know, hold. Hold your judgment, not on what today looked like, obviously, because you can tell, but hold your judgment on whether this is some sort of uh, horrible sign until we see what comes of it. Because if some, if, if they start playing bad this whole weekend, if they blow it uh, t tomorrow against Cleveland, you know, then you can say, oh boy, they, they fell apart when they had a chance to, to keep it close with Cleveland. If they go to Cleveland and win tomorrow, we're not talking about this game really ever again, right? So it, right. we, we got to see what comes of it. Yeah, I, I just want to go back to uh, the last thing we kind of talked about last night. Um, do we get a final update on what the rotation will be like for the Sox tomorrow? Or yes. what the Sox Lance, rotation Lance, will look like after tomorrow? Yes, Lance Lynn is, is starting tomorrow. I tweeted it out last night. If you want to go pull it up, I, I don't know if my phone can handle me switching out of this app at the moment. But, uh, but, okay. but uh, yeah, Lance Lynn is starting tomorrow in Cleveland. I believe it will be Giolito. Kopech and Cueto uh, in Detroit in that order. Or what did I just say? Gilito, Cueto, Kopech in that order is my uh, memory of that. But you can confirm by, by going and checking the Twitter. 
confirmed. Yes. All right. So uh, Lynn tomorrow, Giolito Friday, Cueto Saturday, Kopech Sunday. Um, have they talked about that move and why they made that move for Lance going up against uh, Cleveland and, and Giolito going up against Detroit on Friday? I think they just feel like Lance has been on a roll, and, and he has been. You know, that, that's been true. So uh, I think they feel he's been pitching really well. Go ahead and uh, make sure that he is, is going out there for the big moment. I, I, I honestly don't think that they were like, oh, we've got to restructure our rotation so the best pitcher on our team faces the Guardians for this one time. You know, obviously they've got a rotation to, to pitch for the rest of the year, not just, uh, not just tomorrow's one game, because even if everything goes great tomorrow, they're still – not in first place. You know what I mean? It's not like it's the end all be all. They've got plenty of other games, including three next week against Cleveland in which they've got to win. So um, I keep saying, right. Every game is must win. It doesn't matter who's pitching. They've got the, they've got the starting pitching to, to win every game, you know, in a, in a vacuum, right. They've got the starting pitching to match up with basically anybody. Um, And so whether it's Dylan Cease against Colorado, you should win the game that Dylan Cease pitches against Colorado. If it's Lance Lynn against Cleveland, Lance Lynn's pitching really well right now. You should win the game against Cleveland that Lance Lynn's pitching. That's how good their starting pitching is in my mind. And so, you know, it, the, 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 the game, three games this weekend against Detroit, you got to win all three of those too. Otherwise, you're not going to be in contention with Cleveland. And, and next week, when the, when the Guardians come to the south side, you've got a three-game series with the Guardians. Well, okay, well, if you lost two or three to Detroit – you're not going to be able to get into first place by sweeping the Guardians. So you got to put yourself in the position to compete with these guys, no matter whether you're going head-to-head with them or you're playing some team that everybody thinks you should beat. you got to beat all of these teams. These, every single one of these games is a must-win game. They are four back in the division right now. It is nowhere near over, but they got to win. they got to beat these teams. They had to win today. They didn't, and so now it's harder, right? They have to win tomorrow, not just because it's Cleveland, but because of math, and so that's what they've got to do. And Vinny, I want to know in the pregame, did Miguel Cairo or any of the players in the postgame talk about the uh, Ken Rosenthal letter to Tony LaRussa that was published on The Athletic? No, players and co- coaches and managers don't usually comment on columns that people write. Did you read it? I read it, yeah. What did you think of it? I'm curious as to why we're talking about it, to be honest. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, just because it's a white I mean, no, show. seriously. Yeah, listen, I, I was expecting there – I was expecting – I, listen, I saw Ken Rosenthal walking around the clubhouse and talking to guys. He is a hell of a reporter, and I saw him talking to guys last week or, or the last time the Sox were at home, and I was expecting something with, with quotes and with, you know, with, with uh, details and such like that, and this kind of struck as uh, uh, somebody on White Sox Twitter uh, you know, got a hold of Ken Rosenthal's computer. So, again, it was, it, it, everybody's entitled to their opinion, certainly, and, and he's one of them, and he's done a fantastic job over the years to, uh, to earn the, the platform that he has. Um, but, uh, again, I, I don't, you know, if we were talking about news, it'd be one thing, but I don't think that's what this is. Can you ask her on the clubhouse and see how many players have uh, athletic uh, subscriptions? I would think you'd want me to ask around the clubhouse to see how many players have CHGO subscriptions, to be quite honest. There you go. Yeah, that's a better question. No, that's a better question. All right, let's uh, go to – because since Dylan pitched today, I just want to get uh, this uh, discussion with you three, or us three uh, being on here. Uh, So Dylan for Cy Young, we made the Cy C shirt. Uh, Let's show where the kind of Cy C's candidates – shape up right now and then we'll kind of see if dylan leads right now if you'd vote somewhere else kind of just want to get your votes 
right now on September 14th. So Dylan has a 14 and six win loss record. This is before today. That's now uh, 14 and seven, a 206 ERA. Again, that's gone up a little bit uh, just with what he did today. 167 innings pitched now, a 2.95 FIP, a B war of 5.8 and an F war of 4.1. Verlander, a 1.84 ERA. He leads the league um, in ERA. You have Shane McClanahan, lefty, uh, 220 ERA, 147 and one third. Uh, innings pitched. Shohei Otani obviously doing it on both sides, uh, not only hitting, but he's also got a, a war of 4.8 on the pitching side as well, a 255 ERA. Alec Manoa, uh, 14 and 7, a 243 ERA for the Blue Jays, uh, 177 and two thirds innings pitched. And then uh, you also got Framber Valdez, who's been coming up as of late, 15 and 5, a 250 ERA. Um, and he's got the most innings pitched out of this six pitchers here uh, with a 179 and two-thirds innings pitched uh, so far in 2022. So, Vinny, looking at this screen, if you had to cast a vote, which I don't think you're voting for the Cy Young this year, uh, who would you place your vote on? Man, I don't envy the people who do have a Cy Young vote this year, I'll tell you that much. Uh, listen, I think Dylan's got as good a case as anybody. I think there's numbers that you haven't thrown up there, you know, uh, in, in strikeouts and walks, right? I mean, these are uh, pretty standard things. I know you're, you folks are advanced over there. Sean, you're an advanced guy. You like the boar and the foire, I understand. But, um, you know, I, 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 Dylan's, had, Dylan's struck out a lot of guys. And that's good. That's what you should be doing. Dylan's walked a lot of guys, and that's what you shouldn't be doing. And uh, I think somebody wrote about it, you know, um, you know, months ago maybe even, because this has really kind of been consistent throughout the whole season with Dylan. Uh, this is going to be a, just the weirdest Cy Young case imaginable because here's a guy who's striking everybody out. He's doing run prevention. He's looking great. And he's also leading the league in walks. I, I don't know if he's still leading the league in walks. I would, I, I would imagine he is. But um, – that is a really hard thing to decipher. Uh, I like I like innings. I'm I, you know I know I, I mean I, I put some weight on that. I've I've had Cy Young votes in the past, uh, and I really like looking at that innings pitched. I mean, how much did you go out and be a horse for your team? And and really, Dylan's not that far off. Even Framber Valdez, who who uh, had a ton of innings there, as you've shown, Dylan's you know uh, especially after today is not any more than ten behind him. So right. um, it is not some sort of gigantic uh, difference there. Listen, I think if Dylan ends the season with a, with an ERA around two and more strikeouts than anybody uh, in the American League, I think it'd be pretty hard to keep him off the top line there. Uh, listen, Justin Verlander, though, has been excellent. You remember he was my preseason pick for this award, and uh, I think uh, I'm not sure you could go wrong with voting for him either. I think right now, today, I'd probably go with Dylan, but uh, there's some starts left to be made, and if Justin Verlander is going to be making them for a Houston team that's obviously going to the postseason um, – you know, he can he can put some put some icing on his resume as well. As I said before, with September being the last month, well, there's a little bit games in October, but people who are focusing in and voting for these things are going to be focused into these games in particular. So somebody's vote, uh, looking at this game and they're like, oh, five innings, three runs versus the Colorado Rockies. Ugh, I'll wait until Verlander comes back on Friday. Verlander pitches a nice game on Friday. And that swings back to Verlander. So if my vote goes to Verlander as of right now, because of his performance, you know, not dropping uh, Dylan C's down another level. And on the head-to-head, Verlander did out-pitch uh, him. So I would say that Verlander, especially the story, the 39-year-old, the comeback player, 
most people will vote for him. Well, the ERA under two helps too. I think that's the one thing that just Cease might edge Verlander out on is innings pitched, like you said, Vinny, and also just game started. Um, that's the one thing, I guess, you know, per game, Verlander's going out for more innings because he's limiting those walks and he's able to uh, be a little bit more efficient. But uh, Cease has just been so healthy and has made every single start for the White Sox. Um, I think... Verlander will probably take it just because he's probably going to come back and have like four starts where he doesn't allow an earned run uh, and locks it up for Vinny. Um, so I think I'm going to mm-hmm. go Verlander here. But if Cease comes out and has a nice end of the season, I, I think it could play for him. Uh, but that's slider. Uh, he needs to figure out uh, that, that location because today it wasn't perfect for him. Uh, but check out Vinny's latest article on Elvis Andrews and Tim Anderson and the kind of debacle they have there on uh, playing time and where Elvis will play once Tim Anderson returns, hopefully next week. You can follow Vinny on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Thanks, Vinny. All right, guys. Take it easy. Later. Take it easy. Um, and if you are trying to be at Guaranteed Ray Field, just like Vinny Duber is, you can buy tickets through the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. I asked last night, do they have tickets to the Pavement Show on uh, on September 22nd? They do, and Damn they sure. have flash deals. I was able to find tickets for $32. Damn. I work that night. It was a pair of tickets for $32 at the Chicago Theater Did on the floor. Them? I did not buy them because we have a pregame show at 6.30. Take off. Concert starts at 7. Take off. Hey, I thought about it. Uh, $16 to go see Pavement? Ooh, baby. Um, they are the best deals on tickets I to pay, sports, I concerts, pay, and I got shows. it for free the other day when I ran against uh, Yasmani Grandel. There you go. You, you tasted that pavement right there. Oh, man. Um, if you've ever dreamed of sitting on that pavement, on, on that <laughs> nice, nice pavement uh, that you never thought you could before, or sitting in row 2R of the Chicago Theater watching a reunited uh, pavement. Uh, it's possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal this season on White Sox tickets, maybe Bears tickets, maybe pavement tickets. You uh, will you know, obviously be refunding your money, too. I mean, they got 100%, uh, 110% uh, price guarantee. So it guarantees the lowest price. You get 110% money uh, of your money back if you do find a better deal. Herb had to deal with their fantastic uh, customer service, and they got his money to him real quick. 12 uh, minutes back. I still got the $46 credit but for, for my uh, Atlanta Braves ticket. They're, they're perfect. You could buy pavement tickets and still have money left over. And the thing I like about game time, like say you're like want to see a game, and it might be a little too much for your, your liking, a little too much everywhere on all the game sites. Wait the first, second inning. Prices drop. They go down. And yes, you missed the first two innings, but you got into the game cheaper and better seats than you can, than you would have otherwise. I love that about game time. That's why I keep it on my phone. <laughs> and you, it's, uh, it was created by fans for the fans. That's why us fans love using the app. So if you love CHGO, then you'll love game time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and score the best seats to all of your favorite events. And I want to let you know about the other place you can come check us out at it is $34 to come to the first ever CHGO tailgate and you may be wondering what is $34 going to get me how about free food and drinks it's always nice four hours of that sounds pretty sweet huh Um, I'm trying to find the exact wording of the thing. It's an important announcement to not hang out. There we go. Um, it's our all-inclusive tailgate experience at the corner of Michigan and Roosevelt, and it will feature a top-rated fruit, tr- fruit truck, brews and booze, games, and a music from a local DJ, again, only for $34. And the lot is less than a 15-minute walk to Soldier Field through Grant. 
Grant Park. Limited parking upgrades are also available, but are going fast. So if you want to bear down at the biggest and best party in the Windy City, go to allchgo.com and reserve your spot now or click the link in the description for more info, more information below. It's a four-hour tailgame. It begins at 8 a.m. and goes all the way to kickoff. And if you're joining us out there, which we hope you join us on September uh, 25th, a Sunday versus Lovey's Texans, check out the game time app while you're there. Hey, you don't have you tickets to the game? Cool. You can watch the prices just drop down. And then, like, at 12.01, while we're ra- kind of wrapping up, you know, the party's going to still go. But you can look. Hey, man, I can just walk over to Soldier Field right now. Tickets are in my price range. Hit it. Game time app. You're in the you're in the game. You had a great time. Probably not too sauced up, but nice. Feeling real nice for, with the combination of the food truck and the alcohol. Man, you'll be feeling real good. And Lovey, to getting ready to cheer on Lovey's Texas uh uh, Houston Texans to lose. Why would you be uh, cheering them on to lose? There yeah. you go. Uh, you, you, you went uh, all different ways went, to, to, to make that one. You went back. <laughs> um, let's go to tomorrow's game because it's an all-important one. White Sox are four games back of the Guardians who won today. Um, again, I, I think it's smart that they moved Lance Lynn or Dylan Cease to this game. I didn't mind if it was either Cease or if it was uh, uh, Lynn uh, as long as it was somebody. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm happy the, the White Sox made that switch, but the uh, Guardians also made a weird switch here. Hunter Gaddis is going to be starting for the Guardians tomorrow. Tristan McKenzie will start the series opener against the Twins on Friday. Uh, full pitching explanation to come. That's from Zach Meisel out in Cleveland. So very odd. Uh, Hunter Gaddis has made one start this year, August 5th against the Astros. Bad. Three and one third, seven hits allowed, eight earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts, two home runs allowed. So what the fuck are the Guardians doing here, Herb? Well, they're, pitch- they're putting a pitcher out there that's going to go six and two thirds, one earned run, 15 strikeouts versus the White Sox. I mean, in AAA, his numbers are decent. They're not bad. I think he has more strikeouts than innings pitched and much uh, fewer hits than innings pitch. So he's doing work down there in AAA. But here, the one time he had to go up to the major leagues is terrible because he had to go versus the, one of the best teams in baseball. So, yeah, Hunter Gaddis. I don't know him. White Sox don't know him. But expect this dude who looks like a mountain man to go out there and shove versus the White Sox. Yeah. I don't care if we don't know him. I don't care if he was bad in his first, in his only start in the major leagues. He's going to go out there and dominate the White Sox tomorrow. If you were wondering where Hunter Gaddis was and your mind immediately didn't think Georgia by the name Hunter Gaddis, uh, you'll just look at Hunter Gaddis and be like, oh, yep, Georgia. Mountain Man, yep. Georgia. West Virginia or Georgia, that's where those people come from. You know, I went to Georgia State, which I took a picture of when I was leaving Atlanta. It's right downtown Atlanta. Down they play at the, uh, the old, old Turner yeah, Field. The old yeah. Turner Field, nice. Yeah, now it's called something different, but they've uh, renovated that to a football stadium only. There you go. Um, what, a, what a novel concept. Your team leaves the city, and then you take your old facility and turn it into something new. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe we can do that here. Instead Maybe. of turning it. Instead of turning a baseball field into a, a football field, we turn a football field into a baseball field. Is what See you're how saying? that works? There you go. Well, it's hard to get to, Herb. It's a show place for baseball. Right downtown Chicago. Make it happen, Sox. And get rid of the damn UFO. All right? Get rid of the UFO. Make sure you can see the skyline from the actual park. Maybe even knock down what the, the north uh, kind of scoreboard and yeah. stuff. Really open it up. Really let us see 
that lovely skyline. But Hunter Gaddis down in AAA uh, in 22 games. He's got 110 and two-thirds innings pitched, a 415 ERA. That's between AAA and AA. Um, you're right, though, about the strikeout numbers, uh, 11.8K per nine, 145 uh, over those 22 games started uh, for Hunter Gaddis. He lot. features a fastball, a changeup, a cutter, and curveball. Oh, no slider? No slider. Oh, that cutter um, might act like a slider. Four-seam fastballs around 93, uh, cutters around 85. So I guess the cutter is more of the uh, the slide piece that you're thinking of. Mm-hmm. Change-ups at 77. So a big differential there between the four-seam fastball and the change-up. He focused a- on that, the uh, change-up 15 times in his first start. Uh, and guys hit Man, 500, 500, 500, and 538. Uh, so, yeah, they crushed the shit out of it. I mean, it's so, the Astros. So I, I, I give him a... Uh, a mulligan on that one versus the Astros. The White Sox are a different animal, different beast altogether. They're going to see this guy. He's going to look great early. We're like, why are we not hitting him? Mm. And it's like the same old thing. Well, and while the Guardians are going to nickel dime the White Sox, Lance is going to pitch well. They're going to win like four to one. And we're going to be like, oh, season's over. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I want to go up to uh, something Clark uh, said in, in the chat before. Like, what's happened with the White Sox? How have they actually turned it around? Um, because obviously Miguel Cairo has been managing them, and they are 10-5 and five in the 15 games that he's managed uh, since Tony has stepped out. But you look at the actual numbers and what's changed. Have they been hitting less ground balls? Not really. Uh, 45% to 44% since August 30th. Are they hitting less opposite field balls? Well, not really. Are they hitting the ball harder? Well, not really. There's not really anything that they're doing worse or better. I think they're just hitting home runs. Yes. Um, so... Can they continue that? Hopefully against a guy that doesn't really have that great stuff like Hunter Gaddis, they can continue that. They need to win this game tomorrow in Cleveland. Uh, This one is a must win. I think we could put our first ever must win warning on this because if you fall five games back, you still have three games left against them. But uh, this is really coming dire, uh, I think, the the, the less and less – uh, games that come up on the schedule. They're 73 and 70, so 19 games left uh, on the season for the Sox. So uh, tomorrow is probably the first must-win one of the year. And as I said in the pregame, they lose tomorrow or any of the remaining games versus Cleveland Guardians. They lose the season series, which is big this year because of the no tiebreaker rule and the, because of the no tiebreaker game. They end the year with the same record as the Cleveland Guardians somehow. They'll go back as the first tiebreaker as the season series, the head-to-head matchup. Cleveland wins one more of the four games, it's over. They've won the season series. So the White Sox didn't do their work early, so now they have to rush and win all four games with them. So it's a must-win. Like, we'll only put those on games that are actually must-win. It is a must-win. All the Cleveland games are must-wins from here on out. Yeah. Because you didn't do your job before this. Amen. Uh, And if you're looking for some hope, the only hope I can find for you is back on September 14th, 1995 in the AL West, the California Angels were uh, 72 and 57. They were up five games against the Seattle Mariners, who were 67 and 62. And then the Mariners went on a run, ending up uh, winning the uh, AL West that year in 1995. And part of that was going on an eight-game winning streak and taking care of business against California when they faced them. They went 2-1 and one to end the season against the Angels there. So White Sox need to take care of business and defeat the Guardians and just honestly win. And don't stop winning. Just keep winning. Don't stop now, boys. Can I ask you, uh, do we have King Griffey Jr. on this team? Um, 
No. Okay. I was just wondering because and do are they like the Tim Salmon Angels over there? I mean, I I appreciate you giving us some your bright sunshiny Sean over there instead of Herbie Sunshine. Man. I mean, it's like yeah, that's happened before, but. It's, As I said on my tweet, I think uh, Vinny had tweeted something out from Miguel Cairo, like complimenting how mm-hmm. well the Cleveland Guardians play. They play well, they hit well, they pitch well, they pick the ball up. It's like the thing about the Cleveland Guardians, they rarely defeat themselves. We could see time and time again how many times the White Sox have beaten themselves where a team is not as good as them, but the White Sox do some air and yeah, do something hey. like to, even today. Yeah, I mean, look at like look at, today with the, the simple play where the balls hit to left field, Pollock throws the ball in and there's no chance to get the guy at home. Somebody's got to yell cut to Mankata and Mankata has got to learn that the ball's not fast enough to get the runner out and just got to cut himself. Ball goes past. Then Sebi Zavala misses the ball. Then it keeps on going. The guy who just hit the single advances the second. I think it was CJ Crone. These yeah. things are, Things that winning teams don't do. They don't beat themselves. Those little things right there cost games. First play of the game. Uh, First play of the game, you have a pop-up to right field. There's four White Sox there. The ball falls in between all four. Yeah. What are you doing? We've seen seen this all year long where we literally have a player out with an ACL tear because one of our outfielders ran right into our infielder and Danny Mendick, who was helping at the time. How many times have the guys ran into each other? It still happened, like, this month. So... The communication's bad. The coaching's bad. It's happened time and time again. Where the White Sox are not well coached, they do not play well um, fundamentally. And the Cleveland Guardians are everything the White Sox should be fundamentally. They're not a better team. They don't have better players, but their players that they have play the game right. Yeah, the White Sox are not a World Series contender because they don't field well and they don't run the base as well. They are not a division contender because Andrew Vaughn struggles. They got right fielders and left field. They got left fielders and center field. They got first baseman and left field. Um, and just the continued injuries or weirdness around them. Luis Robert in the second half has just been brutal. I don't mm-hmm. think he has a hit. Um, well, I think he just got his first hit since August 24th. Chiton fanboy says Luis Robert has two, count them, two RBIs in the second half of this season. So, I don't know. With 19 games left, nothing is giving me a ton of hope that the White Sox will win the AL Central. I think it will be interesting. So, I think we'll at least have a full 162 that we'll have (laughs) to pay attention to. It might come down to the last game of the series, but I definitely think it will come down to the final last three games before the White Sox are officially announced dead. So, all I'm saying is it's not over you got to become very big Minnesota Twins fans this weekend as the Guardians play five versus them in a wraparound series after the White Sox play them tomorrow. So hope those bums actually show up like they didn't last week at the goddamn crib when they got shut out. Not shut out. They got swept by the Cleveland Guardians. I hate the Twins. And hopefully the Guardians get uh, too overconfident. Maybe they, uh, you know, just stop running the base as well, run into the second ever 7-8 triple play. As I look at their schedule, there is no... There's no Seattle on the schedule for the Cleveland Guardians who summarily oh, just beat the hell out of the Cleveland Guardians. Guardians only got one of the seven games. So the White Sox need to be their own kryptonite is what they you're They have to be the Cleveland Guardians. That's how the White Sox got back close after they were starting to win. And the fact that they beat the, Minis- the Seattle Mariners themselves made it a close race. But now 
We are sad because the White Sox are bad. We'll see what happens tomorrow. We will be with you for the pregame show. It will be me, Vinny, and Herb in studio as the White Sox head out to Cleveland to play them. Yes, at 12.10. So we'll have an 11.30 pregame show for you uh, here, probably live in Studio B. You can follow Herb on Twitter at ecknormal 23 He's a CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Follow Vinny Duber on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox postgame show. We will talk to you tomorrow to preview the huge game between the Guardians and White Sox. It's Lance Lynn versus whatever a Hunter Gaddis is. Uh, thank you to Stephen Nicholas Those for producing. Those are people who uh, kill animals and bring it back to their family. Uh, Hunter and Gaddis. Oh, Hunter. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I, sorry, I was confused. Thank you to Stephen Nicholas for producing the show. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you to Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album, Tusk. Bye.